Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. Candid interviews with amazing Australian entrepreneurs who started with a humble idea and built it into something substantial and sustainable. It's the human face behind how they built it. On today's episode... So the first few years were slow growth. Slow and steady. Yeah. We were working another job for the first four years, up to four, four years. Yeah. We worked, job. we actually job shared another job. Entrepreneurs Genevieve Hewson and Lauren Emerson created the burgeoning fabrics empire called Walter G after both their grandfathers a decade ago. Last time we met, the pair talked about their passion verging on obsession with the age-old tradition of hand-blocking and hand-printing fabrics by village artisans in northern India. The Sydney women built their textiles business on passion, drive and going slow and steady with expansion. But the pair took the considerable punt early in their startup to dive into the massive but competitive US market. Today, we find out how that went. And Genevieve Hewson and Lauren Emerson talk about why you should never lose sight of your original passion, your original dream, and how they were forced to learn very quickly about the fundamental basics of business. In the beginning, it was block printing just the swathes of fabric, or did you have the idea to do the, I mean, I know you were talking about the lampshades out of old turbans, but did you have the idea for cushion covers and quilts and table? Yeah, we did. Not so much quilts in the beginning. We got into a showroom in New York, I think it was the second year, um, for the fabrics, but for we had always intended to also wholesale ready-made products like the cushions and just decided that we would launch at the Life in Style Sydney Fair in February 2012, even though we had no idea what we were doing. I remember calling, I'm hiding behind a pylon, frantically calling my dad to say, Dad, how do you work out GST? Um, they're asking me about GST. What even is GST? <laughs> and this is when we're trying to sell. We're trying to write orders and we did we knew nothing. And so my dad said, you know, times by 10 divided by 11. I was like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've got the shaking with the calculator. No. It was ridiculous. We were so kind of clueless. But quite quickly we, uh, you know, from a business processes side of things, we were quite – um, keen to, after that, we threw everything in, got a proper inventory system for something, for like a business that would be more like five years or yeah. Your down dad the track. was very into it. So you, your dad would always be sending us like, like newsletters on new startup companies, inventory systems. Yeah, yeah. On, on the cloud he loved. So yeah. we were sort of all cloud-based from from the beginning. Two? Two or three, What yeah. of everything? What happened? Who was your first customer at that trade show? And what sort what of response question? did you get? Did you sell any? Yeah, we, had, we broke even at the first trade show, which yeah. we thought was amazing. We were stoked <laughs> with that. I know, which in hindsight. It had a but, really good response, though. I and think then people the lamps re-ordered. got a particularly good response. Like, they mm. were so unique on the market. Yeah. But sadly, we just sort of, we probably did them for two years, I'd oh, say. Maybe three. Maybe three yeah. yeah. So how much experimentation 
have you done, perhaps in the beginning, but also throughout, with your designs and what works? And then, so you do the original design and the artisans then execute it, print it, make it up into a cushion, a flat, unfilled cushion cover or a table napkin or a tablecloth, and they send it to you. Exactly. Yes. How much experimentation did you have to do with your designs to say, this looks great on a cushion, but not that? Like hours, (laughs) like hundreds of hours we would have spent. And now, you know, 10 years down the track, we sort of have a more well-oiled system of what works, what what the market wants, Um, you know, to a point, you never really know, but we've got a sort of um, boundary, I guess, of what area we want to be working in. Uh, But the experimentation to get to that point was, oh, yeah, uh, countless. Yeah, countless countless hours. hours. And even learning what is possible with the process. And limitation, uh, there are limitations, but in a way, creatively, I feel like limitations are a good thing because it sort of gives you, you know, a space to work in or outside of, you know. Yeah. It gives you, yeah. And it can give you your look. It gives you your look plus it kind of forces you to maybe be even more creative than you would have been. I also think with digital printing, like you could have so many renditions, you get a bit overwhelmed by all the choices. Yeah, it's even harder to You can print it that day, you know, whereas we wait, you know, three to six months for something. It's probably by the time you actually do the design as well, it's probably sort of nine to like we're about to start designing now for set August. Yeah, yeah, August, September. Yeah, so that's a year. Which, mm. look, I, sure anyone who's in the fashion industry yes. is rolling their eyes <laughs> well, at that time frame because it's yes. a lot less. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. It's... Okay, your funding in the beginning came from this lovely little bit of inheritance that you mm. both got from also, your grandfathers. Also um, the Art Start grant. We applied for oh, the Art Start grant. Yeah. So that was incredible. It was a $10,000 grant, which we got. Which at I remember the time you it working... was a third of our, yeah. it was a third of like all the money that we had, which was huge. That was kind of stock or to pay for the actual freight of the container. You know, it was mm. You were working at Oracle at the time. I remember you were in the stairwell and I called you. I was like, we got the grant. Gosh. (laughs) Because that was like the real one. It was like, we're going to India now. We We can do this. Right. So you had a job and you left it once you got this. Yeah. (laughs) I knew it was just ridiculous. (laughs) Is it, was it a bit insane? Absolutely. It was totally insane. We were, we we were, we were. Um, t- totally couldn't sort of focus yeah, on anything else. Vision. There was no, and like our parents are gently, like I remember my dad, which he, I think, sort of semi, not regrets, but sort of is eating his words, um, you know, happily. But it's like, oh, you know, like, do you think you've got a good job? Like, Does do you Australia think, need are another you fabric? Sure, are you sure? Designer? Like, do you think you really need this? But we were just... I don't know. We just really didn't just think about work. it. We made it was that email. We were like, okay, yeah, a hundred percent. This is the best idea anyone's ever had. Um, let's just do it. And I think we love, we just love most parts of it. Even the small business element, you know, beyond the textiles, which is a given. We're completely passionate about it. But you get to work with your best friend 
on your passion. And we quite like the small business side of it as well. Like we're sort of busy people. So it's nice, you know, our day is a bit of a hodgepodge of random bits of pieces, even down to sort of ordering a new toner for the, for the, for the <laughs> office printer. But it suits us. So, yeah. And our husbands are always like, oh, you've got to like build it up to sell it one day. And we're like, we want to die with our textiles. I want yeah. to be doing this yeah, until I'm 80 something. They love you to something. make money by selling it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Say, no, what would yeah. we do without it? Totally. Yeah. Is it a bit like that? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> How have you scaled up and have you scaled up and grown enormously? How have you done that? So the first few years were slow growth. Slow and steady. Yeah. We were working another job for the first three Up to four years. years up to, to four, four years. Yeah. We a part-time job. Yeah, we, oh, it's a bit of a joke. Oh, we actually okay. job shared another job. Oh, right. And, and, so you needed that to make ends meet. Yeah. yeah. And also the stuff like the container that arrived with the big reject. Like there was a lot of setbacks, I think, yeah. that didn't allow us to – quit that job for a while and we sort of got comfortable with it and I feel like we needed that push. And then we did get that job got made redundant. I think that company was acquired and it was probably the push that we needed. We said, okay, we're going to go all in. Yeah. It must have been, that must have been at the end of three, three years yeah. because, and then we went all in and it just, I guess the t life cycle of business as well, we were kind of over the three-year and then we were sort of steamrolling into that five-year kind of mark, which we always kind of scoffed at that magic five-year number, yeah, but it's, it's a totally real thing. <laughs> it's just a thing. You get to, if you've made it to the five years, stuff starts to, you know, if you've got your learnings and maybe a bit more brand awareness and the the cogs are sort of turning in the right way. Um, I'd say from then on we probably grew around 20% each yeah, year, year on from year. year five. Yeah. Have you needed or wanted any outside shareholders or investors? Never. never. We've never even had a loan. Any. Like literally we've all So no loan, Which no borrowings from mum and dad. No, no nothing. No, probably a maxed out credit card. But um, No, we, were, no we're always, we don't we're even have very... a line of credit. We, we basically, to the point where we're super risk adverse, it's like people just naturally. So we never had that. But we so you pay yourself a salary, yeah. But everything else goes back into the business, basically, yeah. So we do that just because, particularly when you know, if you hit a bit of slow in demand, we even coded our first website. We taught ourselves to code to code our first website rather than pay the cost of that. So we ran very it, impressive <laughs> girls. So, so lean though, which is probably mm. the it was slower to We're grow. Still pretty lean. Our motto for the business yeah. is slow and steady wins the race. Because then it may, you know, you hit a speed bump and it's super easy to just dial back a bit and temper. One, because we do like are across a lot of parts of the business. Um, we, we outsource, outsource specialties, yeah. which has been Accounting, conscious. social media. Um, now right, so you now stuff, pay for that sort of stuff. Yeah, yes. so we've been doing that for a while, but the sort of consciously outsource that rather than have a high headcount um, just because uh, that's just the way we've yeah. chosen to do it. Back when you started, we talked a little bit about this before, but was it, always a big vision. You had a big passion, but was it a big vision or did you think, oh, we'll just try this, see where it goes? It, yeah, it was probably just I never, th I never thought it would be as big as it has, like, we've been no, successful no, as we have. Neither of us ever no. thought that. Like, we just, 
we probably didn't really think about it. We just thought we were super excited to work in our passion and if it could bring us sort of just a decent income, you know, modest income, that would be a win. Uh, But the real win was working every day on something that we love. And also the fit, like when we signed some showrooms in America and were selling our fabric there, that was a pretty big yeah, that like, was wow a, for us. It was like, yeah. wow, like our designs are recognised worldwide. It so was incredible. That was, was year two actually. Yeah, that, it's a showroom in New York. Who we had, we never thought we'd get into. And they it was sell some by, of the best lines, like dream lines basically, that you never thought you'd be sitting alongside. So and they were the cushions and fabrics just, are, just are for, in. Just for the fabrics. Right, or in um, East Hampton or Park Avenue yeah. or possibly yeah. Los Angeles, And they were wherever. the coolest two girls. They were just, they had such a vision and were not put off by the fact that we sort of knew nothing and were willing to just take on our textiles. They're amazing and still we've got a great relationship with them still today. Do you think there was one decision or step you talked about going into America as being a big step up that really mm. helped sales along? I mean, or it would be the US. US. Yeah. yeah. It's probably 60% of our business now. whole revenue is from wow. the US. Mm. I mean, you know, we have a much bigger market share in Australia, just mm. the size of the market's a lot smaller and in the US we're teeny teeny tiny, but the market is so big. The market is and the growth. And, you know, what has worked and was not intentional as a part of being with in different markets is that you've got um, opposite seasons, which can be great. You've also got different um, markets. So maybe they're having a bit of a slump over there, but not here. Yeah. Um, natural disasters are different in different countries. Yeah. So, where demand might be a bit slower in one market, where sort of, you know, revenue is sort of held steady by the other. So it has worked really well for us and something that we'll keep. So do you think, I mean, did you get media support, traditional media support in the beginning? Did yeah, you did get actually. social media we publicity reactive, or influencers or? The influencers kind of went around, well, not in the sense that they're known today when we started. It was more still magazines yeah. and maybe blog, uh, the odd blog, but we I never say had we, PR. We didn't reach out. Yeah, we didn't have PR and we didn't reach out to them. They would contact us. We were just fortunate in that. We regard. still don't really do that because Lauren and I, <laughs> despite being on this podcast, <laughs> we we don't really, um, bit, yeah, we don't really like to be sort of in that the face of it, we don't, we just like to work behind the scenes most of the time, <laughs> really. Um, so the but idea of having a big press la- launch with us there at the table is basically our worst nightmare. So really? perhaps to, you know, that is a really proven way to, um, you know, push the business. But personally, it we just hate it so much, the feeling of it. So yeah. we have decided not to do it and we'll just have to cop the slower growth because of it. But that's just our choice. I don't yeah. think we could have handled a fast growth. Like the, but yeah, the particularly, stage we were in our lives as well. I just yeah, I think someone steady has suited us. Yeah, and it still does. Yeah. Gives us flexibility where we need it. Your your story, your narrative behind it is is very um, noticeable on the website and the gorgeous mm. film that you've done with the artisans. And obviously that whole story of hand blocking and hand printing is very important to let people know, again, back yeah. to the providence and stuff. Is that really important to you? 
Yeah, absolutely. That's I'd prefer to tell that story than our story, you know. <laughs> exactly. Like we lo- look, there's many a time where we say, God, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just hit print on the printer and have like <laughs> the textiles come out like by demand. Um, but we just love the process where this we were trying to um what were we doing recently where we were trying to oh come up with a blurb for our um, most recent fabric collection which was a celebration and an ode to kind of our 10 years of working with India and everything that it's sort of given us over this 10 years and it was called to India with love and we we're trying to put into words um the process and what we love about it, but it's a bit hard to describe when someone, ha- we thought it might fall on deaf ears in the sense that you maybe have to be there. So like when you, we get this feeling when we're pulling up to the printing studio and you can hear it's a really distinct sound of the the banging of the blocks because it's quite quiet. There's not music. It's just the banging of the printers, banging the blocks down and, you know, the whir of one of those skiddly little um, fans that just yeah, blows yeah. to dry the um, fabric. Some incense burning. Incense burning like... from the morning prayer yeah. and the smell of chai in the air. And it's just like it's we just can heaven. sort of, it's such a sensory experience <laughs> for us that takes us, even talking about it, takes us right there that we could never, we would never sort of not, the process is everything. That's the main part that we love about the product. So that is always going to be a hallmark of your We'll failures. never not yeah, do it because yeah. that's the bit that we love the most. So expansion into the US, can you, um, have you got a figure of how many outlets stock your or how many it's shops? Probably 100 or, or yeah, so, over 100, over 100 um, retail stores. Yeah. And Around the world? Uh, in the US. May, in the US. No, totally. How many outlets or oh, stores or interior Australian. designers oh. stock oh, you? Oh, and Oh, it'd be, I don't know, 250. Yeah, maybe 250. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of changing over time. Then we have showrooms that sell our fabrics. So there's LA, uh, New York, Dallas, Dallas, Houston, Houston, Boston, um, Florida, Florida. San Francisco. Anyway, fantastic. There's a bunch. And yeah, the US fabric market is is massive. and they love patterns. They love patterns. They love, love redecorating. More so for than the probably season. the Aussie market. They're, so any renovation budget has a much larger chunk dedicated to fabric, yeah. and they love pattern. They'll even some of the projects even buy fabric to upholster the walls in. Mm. It's just completely ridiculous the back of the and amazing. Like, yeah, yeah, it's oh, just, wow. it's so beautiful. So we love, because you often actually don't get to see many photos of the finished products. But with or, Instagram these days, you get a get little a bit, bit more. more yeah. And we love coming across just to see, like, the, does, the interior designers are just so clever, world yeah. over. Yeah. The way that they sort of... Um, think of a fabric and put it into a really specific use in a particular mix is just takes them to a whole new level that we could never have even dreamed of when we designed the fabric. This incredible chair the other day, it was sort of looked like a scalloped clamshell upholstered in one of the fabrics and it just, it looked completely amazing. We couldn't believe it, which is so exciting seeing that. (laughs) 
you've talked about some challenges. Did COVID throw up challenges or were you one of those retailers, suppliers who did really well? We did well, but there was definitely challenges. There were challenges, but we were lucky to be in the home industry where who would, I mean, with hindsight, it's not such a far cry. But at the time when we went into lockdown, we were on the phone to the accountants, remodel, like doing financial modelling of, you know. Worst case uh, scenarios. Worst case scenarios. Mm. How much money we need in the bank to last us, you know. How long could we last with no sales? Mm. Anyway, as it turned out, which people, you know, have experienced, the home actually had a huge renaissance period where, people fell in love with the home again, which, um, you know, now that people can travel again and life's starting to come back to a new normal and expenditures maybe going elsewhere, I still feel that the love for the home might linger for a bit longer. I think it was a long enough time that people changed their habit. Yeah. And even younger people, the sort of who may be even renting, there's a real emphasis on sort of putting effort into yeah. your space, making it. Well, it, it had to be a haven for people haven. while they might have been working singly, just yes, one person in a household. And so I think that that love, renewed love for home is hopefully going to um, stay for a bit longer, which is exciting for us. And other than the the only main logistics. challenges were the logistics, and but we were lucky in that yes. we've got and multiple, in- multiple suppliers across De- well, Delhi and Jaipur. So sort yeah, of they did we, lock they'd down. get drip free feeds of stock basically. Right. So we just and had to repackage. So they locked down for a they while, They locked down didn't for they? about yeah. 12 weeks. So we were very behind. But look, we, we actually got stock just before just they before. locked down. So right. we were, again, like incredibly it was lucky. Luck. And then we just got, look, COVID you know, everyone's had different experiences and we certainly would consider ourselves lucky. But um, even as I was saying before, you know, sometimes constraints force you to be a bit more creative and loads of amazing things have come out of COVID for us in the way that we run the business, in the way that we We deal with India, the way that we sample. We found a way even though we thought that we physically had to be there before, we found a way to sample remotely in a really effective way. Really quickly, how do you do that? Um, It's just we sort of do digital renditions and then do these sort of um, quite ridiculous production uh, sort of sampling documents and send them over then they come back. Okay. So, look, it's more efficient in the flesh, but look, um, this actually works and it's definitely something we'll keep going forward. And then, um, you know, we couldn't do trade shows, which that was the way that we sold you know, to all like our retailers. Of our business, so it's, it's pretty massive. That was an issue and we were thinking, oh, God, what are we going to do? Yeah. So we just got a great wholesale digital portal going and we also decided to, which is a bit old school really, kind of feels <laughs> like we were going backwards doing this, but did these little um, brochures with small swatches and would do these targeted little packs to send out because we thought it's such a tactile product. Yeah. After and I think people w- miss going to the shows. They still yeah, want they to wanted experience to feel it. They know? wanted to see yeah. something. So, so did that work? That yeah, worked really yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So did you say 50% of your business is wholesale? Yeah. And 50% yeah. is what, online sales? Uh, oh, interior no, design, oh, trade. Okay, and so you don't call that wholesale? Showrooms. 
Look, in the states, it actually is considered wholesale, but we within fabrics our little probably thir- oh probably forty percent of the business. Fabric and, and wallpaper forty yeah. percent, and then online's maybe ten percent. Yeah, but it's shifting. Direct it's definitely consumer. shifting. So your artisans in India, these hand crafters, yep. do they do your wallpaper as well? No. So that is a digitally printed product. Right. We print it here in Sydney. Um, we, we printed it to block, create. <laughs> yeah, we block printed a whole lot of blocks and then sort of tiled them Layered digitally. Them. It's a bit of a ridiculous process and an amazing girl that has worked with us for um, a long time. She kind of really took the reins on this project um, and it's an awesome product. Um, it's sort of wipeable, definitely, um, yeah, as we said before, probably our heart, you know, it. It would be amazing if we could block print the wallpaper, but just it's such a um, generally tends to be quite a specific um, made to order. You know, every yeah. room is different. It just it doesn't work that well like yeah. that. And we don't have to hold stock of it. It's all print to order, which for us is pretty big. So it's, again, in terms of diversifying, yeah. that yeah. has been great. And when all that logistics stuff was happening in India, it was great because um, the guy who prints it here, that, you know, it's all about the mix, right? Yes. <laughs> there are a million fabric makers in the world. <laughs> what do you think has set your product apart and why people keep coming back to buy it? Oh, look, we don't totally know, but um, we think it's sort of maybe comparatively sort of a bit of a simple, more simple paired back we think it aesthetic, <laughs> Com- you know, in comparison to either something a bit more traditional, full coverage. Or bright colours. Or yeah. really like bright colours. They're quite colors. muted, sort of dirtier yeah. colours and livable. Yeah. And even like male, female, I feel like there's quite a broad mix of who actually buys our product. Yeah, I think it's kind of informed by, you know, maybe where we've grown up, it's sort of a sort of sun-bleached palette a little bit. Yeah. Um, that relaxed, lived-in style, that's our personal style. Yeah. I, yeah, we're not totally sure, but like on face value that, um, yeah. You said before that very first shipment nearly sent you under. <laughs> Have you come close to going under or going broke? Uh, it was look, probably after that. That's that. Yeah, yeah that yeah, would have been the like, closest. Do you, got, do yeah, you guys really to, want to be doing this? this, this yeah, it was know. the th- or they said must have been the three, yeah, three year years. mark, and they said, okay, guys, like you need to go all in. We'll give you another year, and within the year, you've got to show sort of substantial, you know, an upward trend, otherwise. Are you happy to commit to at the end of that year if it's sort of going in the wrong way that you're going to pull up stumps and move on? And how and did we, you react to that? It oh, wasn't like, like a, like, you know, it wasn't like it was a, an ultimatum. Yeah, it, but, but it just well, gave us the push to well, quit. Well, it was. <laughs> but it gave us the push to quit that other job and as we well. Just went, right. like we, we went, went all in, in, you know. And, and it worked. And it worked. <laughs> Whether yeah. or not it was timing or who right. knows. So, um, but we did go all in. And I think mentally, when you know that 
you don't have, there's not a revenue not stream coming from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you, you're sort of really fighting for it. So, so after that period, did you ever nearly go broke again? No, never. We've kind of, you know, as we said before, it's always been a pretty lean operation. Um, Do you have many staff? Any staff? Yes, got we've got three. Girls three yep. in Australia, and then yeah. our Niha, our Indian um, quality control. Yes, in and India. Was, yeah, yeah. That's it. and then I mean, your artisans don't work for you full time. No, but it's, how it's many of those a, do you deal with? Oh, we sort of deal with four different um, groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got several they've under got, them. Yeah, so they've probably the got. The ones that work on us specifically, probably they'd have three or four each maybe. Yeah, each. And so. how long before you were profitable Ooh. or are you still not there yet? No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. There. I think it was, was it far, year four. Or year four maybe. Maybe end of year four. End of year four. I'd say. Um, and, yeah. So you don't have still. a big staff but. Intentionally. You, you are still leaders of a, a business and you're trying to grow it and you've been scaling yep. it up. How, what have you learned about yourself as a leader? Jen, you first. I have learned that I am probably not a good people manager <laughs> and I don't really like doing it. I sort of am probably not a methodical um, explainer. I sort of just, and I'm a bit, all over the shop, probably. Um, you know, da- we sort honest. of dart around a bit. All right, and in terms so for, of decision making and we're clarity very, of thinking, we're with, very quick. Where the business is going, we're very, um, which has probably worked in our favour over the years. We just make decisions um, kind of quickly, and our sort of thing was always to be making decisions because momentum is key, even if it's the wrong one sort of being stagnant and you lose momentum, it's all over. So we just always just are quite quick to make decisions. You know, we evaluate stuff and we're really risk adverse, but we do make decisions quite quickly. Um, Lauren, how would you describe what you've learned about yourself as a leader? Or a business founder. (laughs) Pretty much the same as Jen in that, like, I'm I'm definitely not a people manager either. Um, But... I sort of love, yeah, I love the, I didn't expect to love the business side of the business so much. I actually think that's like, like being creative, it's probably 20% of the job, but there's 80% of, you know, business. business, Which we But I actually thrive off that. I absolutely love it. And it sort of, I think you, you have to have both. Like I did a creative degree and I think we have one small course on a business, but like it's imperative to have that part of the the brain working, you know. So you feel you've learned a lot in that area. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What What would you say are your markers of success for Walter G right now? Hmm. Um, like probably the amount of repeat customers. Yeah, like absolutely. we've been working with a lot of the same, same retail stores and designers for, for 10 years nine years yeah. even, or 10 years mm. since our first And we're show. still their best-selling cushion brand or whatever. So and I are think they like stores those, that we would know? Um, yeah. Locally, some of our like great stores are, uh, we've got loads, but to name a few, uh, um, 
Tara Dennis, Beechwood up in Avalon. Poppy, we've been working with her for years. No chints. And yeah, yeah, no chints. Yeah. 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 And, you know, lots of great regional ones like Tarnished Interiors out in Tamworth. Um, we've just been really lucky to sort of have found great people to pioneer our brand as well because they take a risk they're amazing to deal with like we just in a business sense we all get along really well and it's just yeah like a well-oiled machine doing business with them and in the states is the same i've got just Mm. incredible fabulous stores and designers that we work with and i think that that's kind of the marker of because it's easy to be popular for one, one season really i think it's hard to keep doing something that they and their customers are going to like and to be someone that they like to do business with from a business perspective like um so staying power and well still maintaining a good quality of product being good with payment um all those other you know maybe you call boring sides of the business but without those you that is a large part of a business relationship i think i also think um when we see our fabric like upholstered somewhere or like we recently had um one of our fabrics installed in soho house in rome and that for us is just like yeah yeah so you just those little little pearls of yeah. excitement are always still pretty good <laughs> yeah no that's brilliant well done just a few quick questions that i'm sort of asking all my guests what are you obsessed about lauren at the moment be it a film a, a cause oh my gosh i'm obsessed about <laughs> a book uh just layering pattern on pattern in my room. I'm always walking around my house being like, okay, what could I change here? What samples can I bring home? Like my daughter's room, I'm surprised that she actually sleeps. There's just (laughs) so much pattern in her room, but I'm completely obsessed with it. (laughs) What about you, Jen? Oh, probably the same. I, in addition to textiles, have a ridiculous addiction to ceramics and I just find myself kind of forever just trawling. I mean, I'd like to be trawling it in the flesh personally, but, you know, maybe on Etsy finding some ridiculously bizarre Romanian um, tribal sort of um, earthenware pot or something, or, um, you know, like ancient sort of um, Pakistani glazed bowl or something. My husband's always like, oh, my God, what are you looking at? But I just, yeah, again, pattern and anything to do with sort of pattern, something tactile and bower birdie um, consumes most of my spare time, even looking at books to do with that. For interiors and like on Instagram at the moment. just just love, yeah, pattern and reasonably superfluous sort of things (laughs) like that. What's the toughest thing you've faced so far in your entrepreneurial journey? I'd say the balance of family and yeah, probably business pretty hard. has been like a pretty big one. Like between us, we've had five kids in five years. So, wow. so that's sort of, you know, just getting to that, that has yeah. been quite hard. And um, it's still a work Not in hard because like, we love going, but, you know, you'd sort of, you're just being tired and wanting to do the best at both and worrying that. You're not doing you're, you're well You're failing at both and Trying all to be of, present. Trying to be <laughs> present. Oh, oh, God. But, yeah, all of that. But mm. for the most part, well, yeah, probably feel pretty lucky that you get yeah. to, you know, work with the best friend in something that you love and family is healthy. And yeah, we've got incredible partners you. who are, super are very helpful. supportive. And, and our 
grand well, sorry, our parents are also very involved yeah, so in our lives. Definitely <laughs> the village vibe <laughs> yeah. to is um the success of Walter G yeah. is definitely Mum and Dad help a lot. A yeah, the village kind of mentality Support helping out system. because we did yeah. used to travel a lot pre COVID. Um so just yeah, we've everyone's been super supportive to really help us. Mm. What's, Try to succeed at both mum and entrepreneur. <laughs> What's the biggest lesson you reckon you've learned in this journey? Don't be afraid to make the wrong decision because you'll definitely make the wrong decision at some point. <laughs> and not to be afraid of it, right? Like yeah, just, just go all make in. decisions. You need 100% commitment. Mm. And keep moving. And you've got to be passionate enough about it. Like we're so sickly passionate about it. Yeah. So if you talk to young people or other um, young women, what would you say to others who might have this sort of humble or sort of passionate idea? What would you say to them? Give it a go. Yeah. Give it a go. Worst case scenario is it doesn't work. And throw in, I guess, throw in as much as you'd be willing to lose financially. Yeah obviously, um, and just give it a go. I don't think you you only regret things that you didn't do. Yeah. It's been fabulous speaking <laughs> to you both, Genevieve Houston and Lauren Emerson. Thank you so much for joining us on oh, Build It, They'll so Come. Much. <laughs> thank you, Helen. It's been amazing. I hope you enjoyed Build It, They'll Come. Let me know via Twitter and LinkedIn. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know by sharing it around your networks. And I'd love you to give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turn their light bulb idea into an empire.